so appreciate Brother Sister McClintock, the Russells, Brother Colthart, Sister Colthart. And I love and appreciate this student body. What we feel here is the thing I'm the most appreciative for. I appreciate that keynote. I feel the love of God in this, in this place. Aren't you thankful that He still inhabits the praises of His people? And we are His people. I would say that we are having what we would culturally define in the Pentecostal culture, a move of God. The introduction of Scripture in the book of Genesis, we see that His Spirit moved. And we often in our service, we talk about the desire for a move of God. But an introduction to Scripture teaches us that really when His Spirit began to move, all that it was doing was preparing the surface for the creative principles of God to come and begin to develop. Everything that's been done up until now has just been getting the surface area of our hearts and our minds ready for the creative principles of His Word to come and to deliver and to shape and to mold and to... I don't want to leave this spring revival. I don't want to leave this first night being the same as I was when I walked in. Can I get a witness from somebody in the student body? It's not the will of God for you to leave the same way. What an honor it is for me to bring a close friend for several years now and what I would consider one of Pentecost's finest preachers. But more than that, he is a Christian. I appreciate his devotion. I appreciate his daily devotion. And you will hear as you have in times past. He does not get up and sermonize, but rather his ministry is the reflection and the outpour of daily devotion. I appreciate having friends in my life that make me want to be better. You should surround yourself with people that are consistently pulling you up, not pulling you down. To me, Brother Jackson and his precious family are those type of people. Brother Jackson, we could not be more delighted, nor could I feel more privileged to surrender the microphone to someone tonight than to you. Please come, share your heart, preach to us. We're ready to receive from the Word of the Lord. Can you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Praise God. Amen. Amen. What a privilege it is to be back at Urshim uh, with some incredible surroundings. Uh, you can get lost on this campus. Amen. And uh, easy to go into a door and think it's the chapel and find out it's a closet. And... Uh, People have to go around the student body to try to find the preacher. Amen. So thankful for people guiding me. Thank you, Brother Lewis, for picking me up from the airport and uh, guiding me into a room to pray and seek God for tonight. Uh, appreciate so much the hunger that I feel in this place. Amen. Appreciate so much, Brother and Sister Colthorpe and their family, Brother and Sister Russell. Uh, the McClintock family, uh, 
Their anniversary is on November 15th. I was married. My anniversary is on November 17th. So I told them we're like cousins now. So so we're still trying to figure out the whole family relation. We're going to figure this out. Amen. It's the cheekbones. It's the cheekbones. I felt it. Just. <laughs> Amen. But it's good to be here. Give honor to our wonderful general youth president, Brother Carson. I love and appreciate this man of God. What an example he is and all these leaders are uh, to me and my family. Uh, he'll have to give you the notes, but he, he preached a message at Mid-America Renewal Conference called The Danger of White Teeth. Was it white teeth or clean teeth? Clean teeth. The danger of clean teeth. Yeah, I know you want to know about it. You want to know about it. I know. I'm telling you one of the most powerful messages that I've ever heard. The power of God fell in a mighty way. I was thoroughly impacted by it. I'm so thankful for apostolic leadership that cast a vision to draw closer to the Lord and be apostolic in lifestyle. Come on, somebody. In life and ministry. And uh, that's what the privilege that we have uh, being a part of the United Pentecostal Church to have incredible leaders like them that challenge us. Give honor to my wife who is at home. She is uh, getting some things. We just moved. Uh, we live 10 minutes away from my home church, which is like, you know, that's like a marathon getting to church, you know. And so we just, so we decided, we felt from the Lord it's time to move closer. So now, now we're three minutes from my home church. So, <laughs> amen. 1.8 square miles in Bellevue, Florida. Amen. I'm like, I, I don't like being on the one point seven miles away from the church. I, I want to get to the point three miles, you know. So I, I'm there now. Amen. Give honor to my son, James Asher. Thank you, sister, brother and sister, Cressman, for following, for watching him. And uh, let's get into the word of the Lord. Amen. Didn't this worship team do an incredible job? Wow. 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 Just amazing. Appreciate all the singers and musicians. And uh, saw some Florida DNA up, up there. So, amen. Just believe in Florida. Amen. Just, just believe in it. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 21, feeling a little spiritual today. I ate some Chick-fil-A, so I had to do that, you know, just to be Christian, you know. That's just, felt like that was in order. And uh, I don't know if it worked because I had Starbucks right afterwards, so I don't know if those are, those are like competing principles kind of, but... <laughs> But I open my Bible up in that Starbucks, amen, in the midst of paganism, <laughs> midst of idolatry, just open it right up and nobody has a problem with me, amen. I was in this city, one of the largest, the largest city in the nation where there is a Muslim population, the largest in the nation. I was there. I went to a Starbucks, opened my Bible right up in the middle of it. 
people were trying to have business meetings, a bunch of Muslims, but they see my Bible, they get up and walk away from me. Like, come on, bro. Come on, we can talk about this. We can talk about this. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 9, verse 21, and Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin, wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, set it by you. And the cook took up the shoulder and that which was upon it and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set it before you and eat. For unto this time hath it be kept for you, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house and they rose early and came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house saying up that I may send you away and Saul arose and they went out both of them he and Samuel abroad verse 27 last scripture and as they were going down to the end of the city Samuel said to Saul bid the servant pass on before us and he passed on but stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. We heard a powerful message here already tonight by Brother Tim. Uh, appreciate his sensitivity to the Lord. Uh, Going to build on that tonight to preach to you on this subject before the anointing. Before the anointing. The next verse after this scripture is 1 Samuel 10 1. Saul gets anointed, but I want to talk about before the anointing. Why don't you lay your Bibles down, everyone, close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's ask God to speak in this place. Lord Jesus, I ask you to bless your people. These young men and women are hungry for you. These are men and women of God that have a desire to please you. Let there be an apostolic anointing from the top of their heads to the sole of their feet. Guide my words, guide my thoughts, God. Cleanse me, purge me of anything that is not of you. I submit to your will. Let love shine forth in this place. Let love minister in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? And can you clap those hands a little bit louder? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. Somebody shout see. Come on, somebody. Don't make me pull the Spanish out. Ooh, I'm tempted. I, I digress. I digress. <laughs> People looking like, he, he can't speak no Spanish. Just a little bit, I can't. Amen. I can't say that I know too much Spanish because in case my wife is ever talking about me with my in-laws, I, I can eavesdrop and act like I don't know what's happening. Amen. Okay, okay. 
before the anointing. The Benjamites had an unique beginning because Rachel could not bear children, but finally she had that child, Joseph, who broke her barrenness. And that was a beautiful thing for her. Uh, Joseph's name means God shall add to me another. It's amazing. Rachel's life was filled with never being satisfied with the moment. She was always looking to the future. Never appreciated the present. Always wanting more. God shall add to me another son when she had her first son. Didn't appreciate that God broke the barrenness in her life. She was already looking at the next son. There's a lesson to learn out of that. Is learning to appreciate where you are now and what God is doing in you now. Because maybe when that next thing comes, you may not be alive to enjoy it. Boy, I'm going to preach to somebody here tonight. Uh, when you're always looking for the next thing after school, where you don't even appreciate school now. Come on. And where, where finally school's over and you finally got that added thing you've been waiting for, but will you be alive to really enjoy it? There's a lesson in her life to appreciate the sacredness of a moment, the sacredness of a day, the sacredness of a time. This time that you're living in right now, you ought to take complete and total advantage and value it with everything in you. Somebody say amen. God shall add to me another son. And she finally has that second son, Benjamin. But She's about to die, and when she's about to die, this son that she was waiting for, now she doesn't name it Benjamin. She names it Benoni, Benoni, the son of my sorrow. What she was waiting for is, has now become a sorrowful thing. It wasn't exactly what she envisioned life being, being like, but she said, son of my sorrow, Benoni, Benoni, son of my sorrow, but Jacob, thankfully, he was there when she died and said, no, he's not going to be son of my sorrow. He's going to be Benjamin, son of my right hand. And that, that's a powerful principle. But when you look at the life of Benjamin and when you look at the tribe of Benjamin, really, Rachel was really prophesying over her son. Because the Benjamites became a sorrowful tribe. It became the worst of the tribes. It was the tribe that fought against everybody where the other tribes said that Benjamin has been cut off from among the other tribes. It was a sorrowful tribe because later in the book of Judges, they would have a disagreement where a man would travel with this concubine. And when he traveled with this concubine, it was the Benjamites uh, that were sons of Belial. Uh, and the Bible says that they pressed uh, him to give up that concubine and abused her uh, the whole night. Abused her where she died at the door. The man was so mad he 
cut up the body, sent it to twelve, all 12 tribes and to witness uh, of what the Benjamites did to her. Uh, and all of Israel came uh, against the Benjamites to kill uh, and destroy them. 25,000 people uh, were killed by the tribes of Israel. Uh, 25,000 Benjamites. Uh, 18,000 chosen men of valor. Uh, they were cut down by the other tribes because uh, they wrought folly in the land of Israel. The Benjamites, uh, they began to drift into a sorrowful phase uh, that Rachel earlier had prophesied about. Uh, it was so bad that all the tribes promised uh, that nobody would ever marry a Benjamite out of their tribes. They promised that nobody in the tribe of Levi, Simeon, Issachar, Asher, they all promised nobody is going to marry a Benjamite ever. They're such a sorrowful tribe. Yet when the people wanted a king, God looked at that least of the tribes. The tribe that everybody despised, the tribe that everyone said nothing good could come out of it. The tribe that they thought nothing powerful could ever happen out of that place. The tribe that was filled with failure. God said, I'm going to use that tribe that is the standard of failure among you. Huh? And I'm going to raise up a king huh, out of that failed tribe. Aren't you thankful for a God huh, that looks beyond your faults, beyond your shortcomings, huh, beyond your failures. And looks right in the middle of your failure and says, there's a king that I'm going to bring out of that failure and I can still use you despite everything wrong in your midst. He's able to raise up out of the least of the tribes. He's able to raise up out of the best of the tribes. He brought Saul out of the least of the tribes. He brought David out of the best of the tribes. No matter how bad your lineage is, God can still use you for his glory. And no matter how great your lineage is, God can still use you for his glory to do above and beyond anybody before you's ever done. I wish I get a witness in this building for a moment I wish you would clap your hands if you hear what I'm preaching I wish somebody would lift up your voice if you hear what I'm preaching I said God is able if you believe God is able you need to clap if you believe God is able you need to shout if you believe God is able you need to dance I don't care what your last name is God can still do a work in you I don't care if everybody knows your daddy God can use you just like he used your daddy and if nobody knows your daddy God can make something out of you where you are Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's able to bring the best out of the least of the tribes. He's able to bring the best out of the best of the tribes. Come on, somebody. Everybody wanted to be a part of the tribe of Judah. Yet the greatest man of God came out of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, they may look at your lineage and say it cannot be greater than it is right now. Your granddaddy is a prophet. Your great granddaddy is a prophet. Your great great grandmama is anointed from the top of her head to the soles of your feet. And everybody in your home church tells you it can never be greater than that. I come to tell you the devil is a liar. We have the same access to the same God that they serve. And God can still do something in me greater.
uh, he brings something great out of the out of the least of the tribes, the least of the tribes of Benjamin, the place where nobody thought it could happen, the least of the tribes. God decides to choose a king out of the least of the tribes of the Benjamites, that place of sorrow, that place of pain. God said, I'm going to raise you up to do something for me. Saul, he starts his beginning. It's very interesting. He starts his beginning feeling like God is tugging him to do something great feeling like God is tugging him to do something great. He has no idea what's going on in the prophetic realm. He has no idea what's going on in the spirit realm. All he knows is he has a tug to serve and a tug to be used by God. And his authority, his dad, sends this this person with all this desire, sends him to go find some donkeys. He says, look, look, I know you're feeling God. I know you feel like you're great. I know you're head and shoulders above everybody. I know you feel like you can be used. But I'm going to start you off in a little small errand. And I'm going to see how you handle that small errand. If you're going to be ready for what God wants to do with you. God, his father, his authority sent him on a little small errand to go and find these donkeys. And you know what? He didn't do the best job finding them. Oh, at your home church, when you express a call, when you express uh, that you want to be used by God, your authority just sends you on a little errand. Uh, he, he said, go ahead and testify. You testify for, for 10 minutes, and, and, and he goes, okay, you did well. Uh, they said, go ahead and sing us. Go ahead and get on the, on the praise team. You sing a little bit, and you do the best that you can. Uh, and Saul was just running errands for his authority. He's running errands for his daddy, uh, and that's how it's started with you. You just started huh, running some errands from your for your pastor. Running some errands for your pastor's wife. Huh, running some errands for the youth at your local church. Huh. You're just doing whatever you knew to do. Huh. And somewhere along the line while you were serving huh, and while Saul was serving the prophet, huh, the prophetic realm huh, felt a tug for him huh, and said there's a destiny for you. There's an anointing on you. Huh. There is a purpose for you. Didn't it happen like that for you? Huh? You were just serving in your local church, but somehow uh, the Spirit spotted some potential in your life. Uh, and they say, you know what? Uh, we got to sign some papers uh, to send them off to Urshan College because uh, there is some potential that is untapped. Uh, I know they've been doing all. They've been donkey chasing. Uh, they've been doing all that. They've been faithful uh, over a few things. You know what? Uh, I'm going to sign the papers. Uh, nobody else in your church is going to go. Uh, come on, somebody. Not a lot of people are going to get to go to Urshan College uh, but I'm going to sign the paper uh, to get them to go because I recognize uh, there is a potential in them uh, to do something greater than chasing after donkeys. Come on somebody. Uh, there is something greater than the errands that I've given them uh, and I recognize there is a call. There is a potential. There is a destiny. There is a future. There is an anointing that's pulling on. Is that why you're here? Is that why you're here? Because it's beyond just some errand that you're running but you feel the tug of God in this building to use you for his glory I'm going somewhere I'm going somewhere he goes and he's looking for these donkeys can't find them his servant 
asks him. He goes, hey, there's a man of God in the city. Let's go ask him. And he goes to find this man of God. And when he finds him, Saul's already waiting for him. Understand that Saul already feels insignificant. He's running tasks. He's doing things in the local assembly, the local church. Yet, he's just being faithful. And now the prophet says, I've been waiting on you. And look what the prophet did. That young man with all that potential, that young man that wanted to be used by God, that that prophet called him to the chiefest place. Oh, Lord. Called him to the place everybody wanted to sit and said, you sit there. Hold on. I just, I just came from little old Alabama. I just came from a small church in Texas. I just came from a small place a lot of people don't really know about. But he said, I know. Go ahead and sit in this chiefest seat. Feels insignificant. Feels insignificant. I want you to be on the Urshan Corral Tour. Little old me. You know where I'm from? Come on, somebody. I'm just from the tribe of Benjamites. I'm just from a little small place. Yeah, I want you to sing. You gifted. Hold on now. You reckon? Hold on. I thought it was just me and my little town of 30 people. Hallelujah. Because I was the only singer in my church. Amen. Only singer in my church. And everybody said I was good. But it's hard to know that you're good when there's only two people that sing in your whole church. Now... After doing these errands at my home church, I come to Urshan, and they're like, man, you could sing. Hold on, what? Yeah, you should try out for the chorale to get, what? And you come, and your shoulders just start getting, hey, I'm here, y'all. I'm here. I'm in this place. I'm in this building. Where you from? You know, you give a big city near you. You don't even name your city. I'm from Dallas. Man, you live 45 minutes from Dallas, don't you? don't you? We don't believe you. We don't believe you. Hey, man. Just start naming the big landmarks. When you start, when you start trying to pronounce it, it's like uh, Nacogdoches. Hey, man. <laughs> Natchitoches. Saskatchewan. Like, where, where, where's that at? Uh, just, just Canada. Canada. Just, just, you don't even care. Hey, man. Just. Big city, amen, big city. He's just running all these errands, and his local, local authority always uses him. He doesn't feel like he's significant, but now he ventures into this place that he's never been before. And, and the first thing that happens is, hey, I want you to sit in the chiefest place. I want you to be on the corral team. I, I want you to go do some ministry at some local churches. I want, I want you to, to lead the charge. I want you to be over this department. I want you to be uh, the student body president, the student body vice president. I want you to be the, the secretary. I want you, what, me, me, the least of the Benjamites? He brings them to the chiefest place among all them that were called. There were only 30 people, listen, and everybody else sits outside while Saul whose first encounter with a man of God he gets to have fellowship with the great man of God Saul's kind of sitting there like 
acting like he belonged. You know, you just start cracking jokes for no reason, right? So, so, uh, so Samuel, got any new prophecies? Samuel. prophecies the Lord's been laying on your heart, Samuel. Eat, boy. Send a text in your little group text to your friend. Samuel's weird. <laughs> Man, how I'm preaching, you would think I went to school here. <laughs> in the chiefest place, a chiefest place where everybody sees him. No, 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 who's that again? Oh, she from, uh, she from, uh, Dallas. <laughs> now he's there. He doesn't even feel like he's chosen. And Samuel, the prophet, sees potential in him and says, is, he says, he says, aren't you the one that all Israel desires? Is it not on you and on your father's house? And Saul says, I'm just the Benjamite. I'm the smallest of the tribes. My family, he's almost like, I didn't even know you knew me. Or I didn't even know you. You even remembered me. I, I saw you at, the, at, the, at one of those conferences, Samuel, and you just kind of walked past. And, and then when you walked past, you just kind of laid your hands on me. And, and you kind of spit in my face a little bit when you prayed for me. But I felt like real anointed afterwards because I felt like you were the only one you spit on in that conference. And That's bragging rights when you come back to Urshan. I bet you never got spit on by Samuel. Yeah, yeah, you can't get close like I was close. I was right there, man. Sets in the chiefest place. Samuel sets his eyes on him. And he's in the chiefest place. This is interesting. This is interesting because not only is he in the chiefest place, but now there he had a place prepared for Saul. He was waiting on Saul. And he says, I want you to give the chosen portion. Some believe that that was the priest portion. That was the most important portion. And he gave it to this man that he's so used to just running errands at the local church. Now he's in a place he's never been where he's seen like he's never been seen. And the first thing is, out of all the students, they give him the most worthy portion there. He's in the chief place. Hold on. I'm just getting started in ministry. And I'm already on all types of different platforms I could never dream of. I just started in ministry. I'm singing at Congress. I'm singing at Youth Congress. I'm singing, I'm singing at, at, at General Conference. I'm singing at all these meetings. I'm going on corral tour. People remember me. I'm in the chiefest place. And I'm getting worthy portions. Sets it before him. He eats. Then the Bible says that they were in the high place. Listen. They went to the high place to eat. Listen. He feels the least. But they go to the high place to eat. They, 
They go to the chiefest place in the high place to eat. And then they come down from the high place. And when they do, the Bible says that they commune with Saul on top of the house. Because they believe that he, his bed was there on top of that roof there, which was a common thing in that time. Now, he's at the high place. He's got the chiefest place in the high place. He's eating the best food in the high place. Listen, and now he's sleeping on top of the house. Are you seeing what the Bible is showing us here? Feeling like nothing. In a moment, he's elevated beyond his ability to believe. And he feels so unworthy being in that setting. He feels so unworthy being in that setting. And he's on top of the house now. Communing with the prophets communing with great men of God, driving, driving men of distinction to and from the airport, rubbing shoulders with great men and women of God all around. Now he has all this, all this perceived favor because he's in a chief place like he's never been before. And before his anointing, he has a mentality that was needed after his anointing. Oh. The mentality he had before his anointing in 1 Samuel 10, 1 was the, uh, was the attitude that he had to have after he received the anointing in 1 Samuel 10, 1. If he kept his behavior how he was before he was anointed, he would be able to, to survive after he was anointed. But somewhere in the chiefest places and, and being, uh, when they first ask you to sing on chorale, you're like, me, me, are you serious now? You've been in school for a little bit now. You want to fight somebody because they got your solo. Look how y'all looking at me crazy. You, you, you were just happy to get up and testify. And, and all your brothers, y'all came together. Y'all came in at the same time. Go ahead, preach. Go ahead, preach. But now, as the years pass on now, there's a little jealousy on the inside now. You're critiquing now. You're making fun now. There's the vision that you're not close how you used to be because you become accustomed to the chiefest place. Uh, you started in. Y'all were both wide-eyed. I could see it on your faces. Uh, last time I was here, you used to sit together. Come on, somebody. But now you started drifting apart. Why? Because uh, one person is getting more elevated than you are. Uh, and you come in with all types of excuses. Uh, and it took your worship. Uh, it takes your praise. Uh, you're fighting with bitterness. Uh, but I come in the Holy Ghost to say you got to humble yourself before the anointing if you're going to survive after. Oh, now it's a critique show. Now it's a critique. 
You don't even hear when your faculty preaches anymore. You're critiquing what your faculty's saying. You're critiquing what the professor's teaching. When you first came, you were saying, Professor, open up the book. I gotta learn more. But you've been in the chief place. Now you feel like we're holding you back. Now you feel like, oh God, I gotta get out of school. They're holding me back at Urshan. No. You better keep the mentality that you had when you first got here. If you're gonna survive when you leave here. I wish somebody would clap their hands. I come with the word from the Holy Ghost here. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. And you're in this service. And you've been fighting with things in your spirit. And you're still involved because you're in the chief place. You feel like you're right with God. Because you're going. You've got friends with men of God that have passed through this school. You've gotten friends with women of God that have passed through this school. You've assisted and you've helped great men and women of God across the nation. So now at school, you've got your shoulders real big like you're something and it is preventing the fresh oil from coming upon your life God said I cannot trust you with an anointing unless you keep the mentality that you had when you first walked through the doors first walked through the doors first went, went through to the dorm room first went to the no this year y'all had the hotels right first went through the hotel you're like oh god oh god oh I'm excited when's the first day again it's tomorrow it's tomorrow the first day of Urshan oh my this is what I dreamed for I can't believe pastor signed it I can't believe pastor didn't hold my old mistakes against me to prevent me from coming to Urshan but oh what an opportunity and you came and clapped and you said wide-eyed and you were in that chapel service you're like oh this is much better than secular college I actually get to get in the presence of God you were so excited but all of a sudden you've been accustomed to the chief place now there are no more tears anymore now you don't come here to worship anymore no you feel like you're entitled to an opportunity you feel like you're entitled to a next level but God said I will not trust you until you keep the mentality that you had when you first walked in the door I wish somebody would clap their hands if you hear what I'm preaching hallelujah Hallelujah. When did you lose the wonder? When did you lose the fire? Oh, I see it on you. Oh, I see it on you now. You used to stand and listen now. You got so many books now. You question the professor now. You question the faculty. Does it really mean that? Hold on. How long you been in school? Well, three years actually. I'm a senior. That professor's like, well, I got a doctorate degree. I got two master's degrees. And I've been in ministry longer than you've been alive. Yet you've been in this chief place so long. You think you can question any authority. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. And if you don't hold on to your identity that you had before the anointing, you will not survive the anointing that's coming. I'm preaching to somebody in this building. (laughs) 
He had that humility before the anointing, before Brother McClintock pointed a finger at you and said, we're going to use you, before Brother Coulter said, hey, I want to use you, before Brother and Sister Russell said, hey, God's hand is on you, before that moment ever came, you had a mentality about you that God was drawn to, God was drawn to that mentality, God was drawn to that humility but you've been in this chief place you've seen your face in the Pentecostal Herald you've seen your face plastered on the screen at some of our greatest conferences you've seen the pictures that they posted on you on social media and now you have forgotten you have forgotten what got you into this place God sent me to ring an alarm in this building and said we need to get back to our first love if we're ever gonna be what God you're open you're open now oh Come on, let the Spirit give utterance right now. Come on, let the Spirit give utterance right now. Yield to the Spirit. Let the Spirit begin to flow. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, he babahatabahaya, he korobohoshitabahaya, oh he lamahaya, alamahaya, oh shala, he kolohosaya, oh Jesus, bring me back to the beginning, Jesus. Bring me back to my first love, Jesus. Bring me back to how I started, Lord. I want to stray for a while. I want to stray for a while. But bring me back to that humility, God. Bring me back to the expectation I had. Bring me back to the love I had for you. Where it was more than a performance. It was more than a performance. It was more than a performance. I was just desperately in love with the Lord. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. On the journey of being used and being recognized, Saul lost what God was attracted to. 1 Samuel 9, 16, God said that I am raising you up, Saul, to save my people from the hand of the Philistines. I'm raising you up, Saul, to meet the needs of the people. And that was the problem. He 
felt like as long as he was meeting needs that God was pleased with him. I'm going to minister to you right now. He felt like as long as he was doing his ministry and meeting needs and delivering the people that God would always be pleased with him. That's why God with David never mentioned him saving the people. God just said, I found a man that's after my own heart because heart relationship always is above service to others. And I come to tell you, I know you've been used, but you haven't been praying. I know you've been used, but you haven't been worshiping. I know you've been used, but somewhere you've got out of alignment with the heart relationship to God. Oh God, let me be defined by my love for Jesus. Let me be defined by my love for Jesus over what I do. With ministry, with ministry, with ministry is only about serving others, listen, but not having proper vertical relationship with God in the process. You will easily be manipulated. You will easily be manipulated by the crowd. You will easily be manipulated by the masses. Why? Because you let your service to others dictate everything you do watch this because you find your identity in what you do instead of who you are but David said no matter if I'm helping people or no matter if I'm not the Lord is my shepherd and I'm a man after God's own heart and if I know if I keep that right when I start helping people it's not going to be some performance it's going to be a flow it's going to be a flow from the divine it's going to be an anointing from the highest. Why? Because I prioritize. Saul was bent on pleasing people even at the expense of displeasing God. If you're bent on pleasing people to get recognized and get ahead, you're going to start losing principles along the way. You're going to start losing loyalty. Come on, somebody. Do people in this school even know who your pastor is? Or are you ashamed of him because he's not known well? Come on, somebody. Promotion is never an excuse to not be loyal to your covering and the people that prayed for you before you ever got here. Oh, y'all going to make me minister. Y'all going to make me minister. That's why the Bible says, what shall the profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That word soul, the Greek word is suke. Suke, soul, soul, suke, which literally means soul, life, and self. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose himself? Because what God was trying to demonstrate to us that people that have a gain mentality in their life, they will gain so much where they lose their identity in the process of gaining. Where they become chameleons. You like this? Oh, I like it too. 
whatever gets me in the crowd, whatever gets me an engagement. Show the prophet a man. If you gain the whole world and loses his identity, you have to compromise your identity if you keep trying to go up there without waiting on God. You will compromise your identity. Come on, somebody. Huh. Revelation 2 states these people that God loved. And I'm helping somebody. I'm going to... I'm preaching with a timer. I'm not going to be long here tonight. But I want to tell you what can happen in the process. You know what happened in Joshua chapter 5, verse 5? Look what happened. They were on the journey. Everyone say the journey. They were on the journey through the wilderness. And while they're on the journey to the, in the wilderness to the promised land, Joshua chapter 5, verse 5, listen. Now, all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant. That God established between him and Abraham in Genesis 17. It was the identity of Israel to be circumcised. Yet on the journey, in the tough times, trying to get to the promise, they left their commitment. While trying to advance and go forward. They forsook what had made them unique. Are you getting it? Do you see how easy it can happen? Oh, I'm ministering to you. What a ministering anointing here. I came here this week. I didn't come here to preach you up or preach you down or preach you happy or preach you sad. I came here to minister to you. One of the things that I'm going to talk about before I leave this place uh, uh, this weekend uh, is to talk about how to overcome hurt in ministry because the Lord told me that there have been people that have been battling with bitterness and hurt between one another even in this building and you haven't learned how to process it and that hurt and that bitterness has gotten into your spirit and you don't realize that it's affecting your anointing but the Lord sent me to say that there's going to be an anointing in these next few days that's going to destroy every yoke of bondage that has come upon your spirit that has tried to stifle the anointing on your life. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm in the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody would clap their hands if you if you feel a witness with what I'm saying. Oh! They, they left the covenant on the journey. You see, we're all on a journey of ministry. And here's the thing. We're on a journey of ministry not to be a flash in the pan. We're on a journey of ministry not to be a one-hit wonder. We're on the journey in the ministry huh, to do this for a lifetime. Huh, because the end of a thing is better than the beginning thereof. Huh. It's how you finish this. Huh. Come on, somebody. It's how you finish this. Huh. And you want to finish it with the same enthusiasm huh, that you had when you began. Huh. You want to, come on, you want to finish it with the same doctrine huh, that you began with. Huh? You want to finish it with the same zeal and fervor. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you that you have to hold on to the identity before the anointing if you're going to last after the anointing. 
Am, am I helping you? Can you wave a hand? I'm almost done. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, but I got to minister to you. I got to minister to you. I, uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter 2. I want to hit this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Look what he says to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you can't bear them which are evil and that you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. You have borne and have patience for my name's sake. You've labored and you haven't fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. You, you, you forgot how you began. And you're doing a lot of labor for me. You're doing a lot of labor in my name. But somewhere your love for me has now turned into obligation. It's not the will of God, and I'm not here to beat you up, but it's not the will of God for people to have to beg you to get up in the morning to come to class. See, y'all see, y'all going to throw me out of here already. Hold on, how did you start this? Do we have to beg you in your first day? Oh, y'all, see, see. Y'all going to cancel on me tomorrow. I, I can feel you. I can feel it. You ever been so excited for something that you oversleep? I'm excited for class today. Make sure I wake up in the morning, by the way. I'm just showing you little physical signs that how far you've drifted from your first day. Oh, we got to go there today. I got to go there. They're going to make me sing that song. I sing that one all the time. What You who was chasing after donkeys before you came here. Now, now there's stuff that's too low for you to do in the school. No, no, no. You need to, uh, you need to uh, put me out front. I'll do it if it's out front. No, we just need you to grade some papers. After school, stay a little later. I, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of, ooh, ooh, I, uh. Watch this, watch this, watch this. You, you notice how whenever people get up to minister or get up to testify or something, they, they never look tired. They're only tired behind the scenes. But in the chief place, hey, why is it when your friend preaching you up front, but when there's somebody you don't like, you sit in the back? It's getting real in here. Look at you when your friend preaches, yeah, go, boy! Yeah! 
there's somebody you don't like, look, look, look at you in the back. No matter how powerful the word is, you already shut your spirit off to them. And the Holy Ghost takes over and you send a text message in your little text thread. Bet you thought about that. Well, he kind of misquoted this a little bit, but it was okay. See, y'all don't know how to deal with somebody that walks in the Holy Ghost, huh? Everybody just play dumb. Here's it. But it's a sign that you forgot how you started this. Hmm? Huh? He said it's the simplicity of the doctrine. The simplicity of Christ. But you've been in the chief spot so much, you've started making it more complicated. Better, I better, I better close real quick. But I, I'm really talking like I've been sitting in your classes, really. That's what I feel like. I feel like I'm looking at text messages right now. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I'm in your mail. <laughs> and, and that's what happens. See, you, you critique so much. There, there was one person that I, I preached at a church that, that, I was in the Holy Ghost so much. This person uh, had a great educational background. Never, I hadn't been to this church in years. And the first thing they come to me, hey, who told you that? So, so it's easier for you to talk about the gifts of the Spirit than believe in the gifts of the Spirit. See, you, where you critique how the gifts of the Spirit operate that is almost a question mark when it starts operating. I wonder who told him, who texted him. Come on, somebody. And so I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a, this is a short spiritual emphasis week, you know. This, I got to get it all in, amen. Just, <coughs> they, lost, they, lost, they lost their first love on the journey of laboring. On the journey of doing ministry, they lost their first love. One of the most profound things, and I'm going to end on this, one of the most profound things to me in the scripture is when Mary and Joseph, they go to Jerusalem to be faithful and lose Jesus in the process. And while being faithful to a building, they lost Jesus. They lost Jesus. How you lose Jesus? How you, huh? How you lose Jesus? And how you lose Jesus for three days and don't notice? Who loses their child for three days and don't notice? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he was among the stuff. He wasn't with his parents close like when they first held him in that manger. Twelve years of faithfulness brought distance. And he 
He's gone three days and they don't even notice. Because it is possible on the journey of faithfulness to your ministry and to your call, somewhere Jesus just gets left behind. Allow God to elevate you. Listen, but just don't lose him in the process. Allow God to anoint you singing. But please, don't lose him in the process. Allow him to anoint your preaching. Allow him to take you across the world. You sing with that anointing. You sing on those stages. You make us all proud. You make us all happy. But I'm telling you, you won't last if you lose Jesus in the process. And when you and Jesus, when you first got here, before you first testified for that first time, you were in that prayer closet. Before you sing, before you try it out, you were in prayer. You were seeking God. You had butterflies in your stomach. You were nervous when Brother Colthorpe, Brother McClintock, Brother Russell, with these wonderful people of God, when they noticed you and complimented you, you got nervous. But after being in the chief place for a while, those things that made you before the anointing, you just let fall on the journey after the anointing come to prevent somebody falling short of their calling tonight. I've come to prevent somebody falling short of their destiny tonight. Oh God. Can you stand to your feet and lift up your hands? I feel a witness in the Holy Ghost. Oh kosaya. Come on, come find a place to kneel. Come find a place to pray and get your first love back. Bring me to that commitment that I had before the anointing. Bring me to that humility that I had before the anointing. Bring me to the love I had for you and others before you ever spotlighted my ministry. Don't let me forget you, God, on the journey. I'm not going to lose you while you're promoting me. I'm not going to lose you while you're opening doors for me. I'm not going to lose you while you're letting me connect with men and women of God. Come on, you need to find a place to pray, find a place to kneel, find a place to sit. And you need to cry out to God right now. Take this bitterness out of my heart. Take this unforgiveness out of me. 
help me rejoice with them that rejoice. Bring me to what I was before you chose me. Come on, make a commitment. I'm going to hold to that humility I had before the anointing. I'm going to remember that first day. I'm going to remember, oh God, how honored I was.